Well, good morning. Uh, so great to see all of our children here today and teachers and staff and representatives from Reeves Rogers. You honor us with your presence today. We're glad you're here. Uh, just one word uh, while the kids are making their way back about that video that you saw with me and Drew Shelley. Uh, we did not practice that thing at all. That was just two guys sitting down, cracking on each other for three minutes. But I better not be wearing pie, folks. <laughs> we're going to keep this in the family, but we better sign up. We better make sure that we're beating those folks at First Methodist because uh, I do not want to have to answer to this. So thank you for your help. Uh, today's sermon is based on this passage of Scripture from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, verses 8 through 16. And the title of the sermon today is How Faith Acts. How Faith Acts. You know, it was all over the headlines this week, this guy named Alec Jones, this radio host uh, who um, is ordered to pay upwards of $50 million to the families of the victims of what happened in Sandy Hook in 2012. He alleged that the event didn't, the tragedy didn't happen at all, that it was just all made up. Now, I'm not much on conspiracy theories, but it's hard for me to imagine that there could be someone in the world that would think that you could get a bunch of people to keep a big secret like that, that you could actually believe or think or even say that, that something like that was all staged, that it never happened. And as I thought about seeing that every day in the news, and I thought about, well, what does that have to say about the world we live in today? There were a lot of things that came to mind about what it might say about our world. But one of the things that it said to me is that I think our skepticism is at an all-time high in the world today. People are skeptical about everything. And at the risk of sounding like my parents, when I was a kid, I'm just not sure that there was the degree of skepticism throughout the world like there is today. Just a few weeks ago, I was at Costco. I got out of my car. I'm walking down the, the row of the parking, uh, making my way inside, and I noticed that there was an elderly woman over there trying to load a bunch of those uh, bottled waters into her SUV. You know the ones that are like 40 bottled waters at 16.9 ounces per bottle? It works out to about 40 pounds or a little more. And this woman was trying to load a bunch of these bottled waters into her SUV. And I got this great idea. Why not go over and offer this woman who is clearly struggling to get all of those bottles of water in her SUV, offer to help her put them in her SUV. So that's exactly what I did. I walked over. I said, ma'am, would you like some help? And she looked at me like I just demanded her car keys or her purse, not offered to help put water in her SUV. And she very firmly and curtly said no, and she kept right on doing it. Well, so I proceeded to walk on way. I got things to do. I don't have to take this. I'm walking into Costco, and as I'm sitting there waiting to show them my card to give them proof that I deserve to be in here, I look back, 
And she's still struggling to put all of those bottles of water into her SUV. And I had the thought in that moment, if this same thing had happened 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, and I'd walked up to somebody and said, would you like some help putting that bottled water into your SUV? Would the same result have happened? Would I really have been firmly and curtly told no? I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, you're probably thinking, Tommy, that woman was correct. She was right to be so skeptical. You could have very easily been wanting her car keys. Or you could have very easily been wanting her purse. You could have been very easily been up to no good by making that offer. She was right to be skeptical. It probably kept her safe by being skeptical. And I would say to you, probably true. That is probably true. That skepticism in many cases can keep you safe. It it, it can be a helpful thing. But could you at least acknowledge that skepticism, while it sometimes can be helpful, it can also be hurtful. It could also keep us from experiencing a blessing. I mean, as I thought about that woman in the Costco parking lot, she had more faith in her fear than she had hope in this hunk. (laughs) And what does that say? I really don't want you to answer that question. What does it say that we have become such a skeptical world that we won't even offer to receive, be open to receiving help from someone who's seeking to offer it. So the question that I have for us today is simply this. Can faith be renewed? Can faith be restored? Can faith be born in the world in which we live today? And we're going to look to this passage from Hebrews for the answer, or for a answer this morning. You know, this passage of Hebrews, it's, it's, it's a book in the New Testament. Most people describe it as a book in the New Testament, but if, you're, if you read it from beginning to end, uh, it, it's, it, some people might say it's a letter, but for me, it feels more like a long sermon. And I know what you're thinking, my sermon last week was really long, and I apologize for that. Every once in a while I get kind of worked up, and it went a little long. But this seems like one of those long sermons, not just a letter. Whoever is writing this or whoever is preaching this sermon is addressing it to a group of Jewish people who have recently converted to Christianity. They have decided that Jesus is the Messiah for which they have waited. And they've converted to Christianity, but things haven't exactly gone the way that they thought that they would go. 
they're still being persecuted both physically and emotionally, not just by the Roman oppression that exists in their city, but also by other Jews who have not yet been able to arrive at a place where they believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And, and so these new converts to the faith are, are being persecuted and, and they're being discouraged and they're beginning to question whether or not they put their faith in the right person or they put their faith in the right things. I mean, they really believe that Jesus, when he ascended into heaven and said that I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, and guess what? I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you with me so that where I am, there you may also be. They'd heard that story about Jesus coming back and yet Jesus hadn't come back and everything is just not the way they envisioned it being. And so they're beginning to seriously doubt as to whether or not they should revert back to Judaism or, or whether they should stay the course. And, and so this writer is writing to them and he doesn't want them to give up. He, he doesn't want them to lose faith. He doesn't want them to become so skeptical about uh, the change that's been made in their life and so this writer begins to lay out the reasons why they should hold fast. This writer begins to tell them that Jesus is the Son of God and that Jesus was sent by God as a way of continuing to fulfill the promises of God and that Jesus didn't just come to be the Savior to the world. One of the reasons why Jesus came to earth in the first place is so that every human being on the planet in that time and in all the ages to come would know that Jesus in addition to being our Savior, knows what it's like to be us. Who knows what it's like to experience the indignities of life. Who's known what it's like to be disappointed and disillusioned and full of doubt and have fears. Jesus came so that we would know that He knows what it's like to be us. And He's saying, Hold on to that. Hold fast to that. And the only way that you can hold on to that, the only way you can hold fast to that, is to have faith. And at this point in the story, the writer or the preacher of Hebrews begins to give us example after example after example of all sorts of people in the past that, that were just like us. They had these dreams, these desires, these beliefs about what the world would be like, about how God was moving in their midst. And over and over again, they still found themselves being disillusioned. They still found themselves being full of doubt. They still found themselves becoming skeptical. They still found themselves questioning whether they were following in the right way, on the right path. And the writer of Hebrews wants these people to know that, yeah, 
Abraham, Noah, Enoch, all Abel, all of these folks that came before you, they were just like you. They were seeking to follow God, but they had moments where things didn't quite work out the way that they wanted them to. They had moments where they were consumed with doubts and fears and anxieties, but they kept believing and they kept trusting. And they kept holding on to their faith because they believed that when God said something, God meant it. And they believed when God made promises that those promises would ultimately come to fruition. Even if there was no evidence that they were coming to fruition in their day and in their time. And in fact, many of these folks did not get to see some of the things that they expected to see on this side of eternity. But the writer or the preacher of Hebrews says, even those that didn't see the promises of God fulfilled in their lifetime, when they died, received those promises as a reward in glory. And so the writer wants to encourage these folks that live in a time of skepticism, in a time of fears and doubts and concerns, to hold on to your faith, to allow God to increase your faith, to be open to the ways that God would seek to renew your faith. And over the next several weeks, that's what we're going to be looking at in our worship. Is how do we increase or birth or renew faith in a world of skeptics? May God grant us the grace as we journey together to reclaim that kind of faith for ourselves.